0: Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. After Abu Talib passes away and the Prophet goes to Ta'if and he comes back to the city of Mecca and he realizes that the Quraysh will not stop persecuting the Muslims and slandering the Prophet. They in fact intensify their campaign against the Prophet The Prophet reaches a point where actually it seems for the first time he does a du'a on Quraysh, meaning against them. The Prophet would not normally pray to Allah to punish anyone. But imagine their aggression to the point where they were literally stopping the movement of the religion of Islam with their propaganda, with their persecution. No tribe that the Prophet would visit would feel safe from Quraysh to believe in the religion of Islam. They were intimidated. So the Prophet finally does ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to punish Quraysh. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strikes them with a famine to discipline them such that they had to eat cured, you know, dry meat and dried camel blood to that point. First of all, all the vegetation around Mecca dried. Secondly, what ha- what would happen to their food as a result of the dua of the Prophet was that all the food that would be delivered to Mecca, from other villages and cities, the Meccans, the evil Quraysh, they would buy the food. On their way, as they were on their way going home, the food would rot and worms would grow out of the meat of the food. It would just rot. Have you seen like food that's decomposed and rotten? That's what would happen to it. So this famine really struck them. You know, uh, historical accounts tell us the Prophet ﷺ made the following dua. Allahumma oh shedded wat ala mudar. O Allah, you know, tighten your grip on mudar. Mudar were those famous Arab tribes. And make them years like the years of Prophet Yusuf. What happens in the years of the Prophet Yusuf? Remember the famine? If you've familiar with the story of Prophet Yusuf, seven years of famine, right? So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to strike them with a famine, like the famine of the era of Yusuf, seven years of famine and hunger and starvation due to their evil deeds. You know, it got so bad to the point that they would burn bones and eat them, right? and they would eat dead dogs in fact they even exhumed bodies from the graves to eat them that's how bad the famine you know became to the point where even a mother sometimes would eat her child you can just imagine what happened to these Meccans so this famine now kept the Quraysh busy from persecuting the Prophet before that All day long, their number one priority was to strike the Prophet, attack the Prophet, persecute Muslims. Now with this severe famine, they now had something else to worry about other than Prophet and and, and Islam. And this gave the Prophet relative freedom, you know, to actually practice his faith, to actually preach the religion of Islam. So this famine continued for a short while until the 11th year after the Ba'tha. So this is about one year after the um, death of Abu Talib and Lady Khadija peace be upon them. Abu Sufyan, the staunch enemy of the Prophet, the leader of the pagans, along with a number of elite Meccans, they come and see the Prophet. They tell him two things. They tell him, oh Muhammad, you came with the message of enjoining uh, ties with kinship, You know, uh, your people are perishing from hunger. Your distant relatives, because remember, the Arabs come essentially from the same family tree. And you see people starving, you see people perishing from hunger. So pray to Allah to save us. They knew it was from the prayer of the Prophet, so they had to come to the Prophet. In another account, Abu Sufyan and those others, they come to the Prophet ﷺ, and they tell him, look, Muhammad, we're at war with you. And we, the men, are at war with you. Our women and children are suffering. Why should they suffer? Why is God punishing them? So the Prophet ﷺ tells them, it's not a punishment for the women and the children. For you men, it's a punishment. For the women and children, it's a test. And through this test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is actually compensating them later on in this world and in the hereafter. And really the response of the Prophet sheds light on so many natural disasters that happen in history, so many tragedies, plagues, that you see innocent women and children being killed. And you're wondering where's the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? The Prophet explains that when a calamity strikes people, the evildoers, the criminals, it's a punishment for them. But those who are innocent, it's a means for their compensation. Allah subhanahu wa taala wants to forgive them on the day of judgment. Maybe later on in this life, Allah wants to give them something good. So Allah will allow that natural disaster, that famine, that disease, whatever it is, to also include women and children as a means to elevate them, as a means to forgive their sins. So it's a blessing for them. You can't say God is punishing children, no. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, he wants to forgive these children, he wants to elevate their status, give them a high rank in paradise. Well, the more they suffered in this life, the more their reward will be on the day of judgment. So the Prophet says, don't call it a punishment for the woman and the children, no. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely compensate them. In any case, this was supposed to continue for seven years, right? Well, before the first year was over, they come begging the Prophet, get us out of this, ask your Lord to please save us. The Prophet, out of his generosity and mercy, accepts their proposal. He says, okay. He raises his hand in dua and he prays to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove the suffering. Historians tell us that as soon as the Prophet makes the prayer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gathers the rain clouds around Mecca and it starts to rain so heavily they feared now a flood. So the Prophet kind of modified the dua, right? And he said O Allah, Hawa around us and not on us. So, you know, the, the rain kind of reduced in its intensity. And it became a very peaceful rain and the vegetation grew back and their food became healthy (laughs) once again so we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered the dua of the prophet and even though they were supposed to be punished for seven years but because they asked the prophet to resort to God the prophet accepted their proposal yes Is it a point of reflection for us too that when we ask Allah we need to be specific in asking? Because uh, we kind of had a discussion upon this when we were doing the tafsir of Surat al-Yusuf and uh, some of them were saying that because Yusuf asked for the prison, he said that prison is better than the situation I am in, he landed in the prison. So it depends what you ask uh, Allah and we need to be specific when we ask or whatever we ask to Allah, so. So that is definitely a valid point, you know, as they say be careful what you ask for, right? When you ask for something, sometimes you have to think it through and make sure this is in your interest. Because yes, oftentimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not answer your prayer if it's not in your interest to protect you. But sometimes when you insist on something or you really want something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you what you want. It may not be good for you. So be careful what you wish for or what you pray for. Make sure it is appropriate. Make sure sure it's good for you. So when Prophet Yusuf made that prayer, Oh Allah, I'd rather be in prison than what these women are inviting me to. Well, he could have worded it in a different way. Oh Allah, just save me from these women. And Allah would have peacefully saved him. Right? But he said, I'd rather go to prison. Allah says, okay, you know, because Allah does answer the prayer of the Prophet. When a Prophet is making a request, Allah is not going to say no. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his prayer and he ended up in prison, but turned out, you know, a bad experience for him. So yes, you know, be careful how you word your du'a even, because sometimes Allah wants to test us. So with the Prophet sallallahu it's not that he you know God was really going to drown Mecca but the Prophet or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to show the Meccans that the clouds gathered because of his dua. So you needed a visible, um, you know, reminder of that. When you see heavy clouds with heavy rain, you know for a fact that it's because of his dua. And then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi asked Allah, okay, you know, we don't want to of course drown So he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it a more, uh, you know, a a better type of rain, more suitable rain. All for the Meccans to truly see that he's connected to Allah. So it's not that the Prophet from the beginning, he did not pray correctly. No, there was a reason in how he worded it and how it happened to show them clearly that this wasn't random. Because someone say, oh, you know, just randomly there was a, a rainstorm. No, no, it was not random. Because you saw when the Prophet prayed, the clouds gathered. Then when the rain got so intense, the Prophet prayed and, and, and the clouds kind of, you know, relaxed the rain. This is all an indication that the Prophet, it was through his blessings. So no one can say it was a coincidence. That's the reason with the dua of the Prophet. Yes. Assuming that for a year they've been praying fervently to their idols and they could have just gone to one of their idols and said was this then a turning point for them to see okay, you know all Well exactly, when you want to see the stubbornness and the evilness of the Meccans, you would think this should have been a turning point for them, this is proof that the one Lord is in charge, your idols didn't help you and Muhammad is on the right path, did they believe? No. That's the problem with the Meccans. See, we, we have many narrations or even verses that condemn the pagans, you know. Some people today are like, why is the Quran violent? Why does it promise hell? Look, you're not dealing with average people who are misguided. These are stubborn people. If Jibra'il himself would have manifested himself to them, they would not accept. That's why Imam Ali in Dua Kumail, what does he say about God? Eternally punishing certain people in hell. See, the Imam is specific. He says that khulud, that eternal punishment in hell, is for who? For the mu'anid, for the stubborn one who sees the sign. He says, No, I reject. And these were the Meccans. These were the stubborn Meccans. They saw a sign like that, yet they rejected. And actually, Allah warns them in the Quran. Allah told them, and Allah reveals Surah Al Dukhan, verse 15. Allah says, okay, we'll temporarily remove the punishment from you now because of the blessings of the Prophet, but know that you will go back to your evil ways. <coughs> you're not going to learn from your mistakes, you're not going to change course, but I'll remove the punishment. Because one of the qualities of the Messenger of God, sallallahu alayhi wa unlike previous Prophets, is that he was lil لِلْعَالَمِينَ He was mercy for all creations. And one of the characteristics of Prophet Muhammad is that while he was present on earth, because of his presence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not obliterate the Meccans. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in another verse, وَمَا كَانَ الله ليعذبهم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not fully annihilate them like the people of Ad and Thamud and Nuh and the previous nations, right? Allah sometimes after repeated offenses and stubbornness and rejection, Allah would obliter- obliterate them, those evil ones. But with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi that was an exception because Allah says he would not punish them while you're present. So the Prophet sallallahu tells them, look, the worldly punishment has been lifted from you. Why? Because of my blessings. However, know that on the day of judgment, there will be a very, very severe punishment if you disbelieve now after seeing the signs. So unfortunately, instead of taking that as a turning point and as a stark reminder, that they're on the wrong path, and this is the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the path of guidance. They didn't. The minute Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removed the, the famine, they went back to their old ways cursing the Prophet, accusing him, slandering him, persecuting Muslims. They did not learn. What do you do with people like that? What do you do with people like that? And you know, when the Prophet says, No, peop- no Prophet has been harassed as much as I have been. This is a part of it. No matter how many signs they would see, they would still be stubborn and they would reject and they would oppress him. But in any case, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after they come and they ask the Prophet, Allah removes the famine and they go back to their old ways.